This month we're asking everyone who calls Bethany Christian Church their home to invite someone to be in this place with them over the next or by the end of the year. We understand that that it's this time of the season that hearts are most pliable to the gospel of Jesus Christ. And like that video had announced that 90% of those whom you ask would be willing to attend a church service with you. And we know that during the times of uh, Thanksgiving and Christmas, those numbers actually go up. It gets into about 96 to 98 percent. So the odds are pretty good. If you're at Vegas, you would risk it all on red with those odds. So why not risk it on a friend when it can change their life forever? There's so much power when it comes to an invitation. As a matter of fact, some of you are here today because you were invited for the very first time by someone that found it on their heart after a, a message last week to invite you. And we know there's many more just like you in Washington. As a matter of fact, in the 47501 area code, there are 17,689 people. We say that's 17,689 reasons that we should be concerned for those who, um, who don't have a church home, who might find themselves disconnected from God, who don't have a Savior in their life to rescue them from their sins. And so we know that it's a monumental challenge that if you were to be sent out of here to go yourself individually to meet the needs of 17,689 people, it's not going to happen. So we're asking you to focus on one reason, one person in your life whom you know needs an invitation to come to be at a church service with you so they too can hear the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ and how he redeems us and saves us from our sins. This last week I was introduced to Jake Robinette. Uh, a few weeks ago, actually. Jake came as a friend of Steve Bell. Uh, Jake's here today. Steve's here today. And Steve has been coming to church probably since about February of this year when he gave his life to Christ, was baptized into Christ. And so I called Steve up and I said, Steve, I know you've invited Jake, but who invited you to Bethany? He said, well, you know, Dale and Tina uh, Harris had invited me to Bethany and I've been joining them since that time. And uh, I said, okay, well, I'm gonna call Dale and Tina and see who invited them to Bethany. So I called Dale and Tina, got a hold of Dale. Dale thought I sounded like Charlie, Charlie Brown's teacher on the phone. <laughs> so Dale, that was the first time I've ever been Charlie Brown's teacher, but the phone connection was bad. He later admitted me today, this morning. I just discovered that it was the preacher that called me, and I had no idea it was you until just today. And I said yes to that. You could use my name. I didn't know who it was. That's pretty trusting, Dale, pretty trusting. Dale and Tina have been a part of this congregation for quite some time. They have partners here. In January, Tina was baptized into Jesus Christ. And I asked Dale, Dale, who was it that invited you guys? He said, well, if I had to put a, a name on it, I'd say Mike and Jackie Weisgaver. So I called the Weisgavers. I got a hold of Jackie. I said, Jackie, who was it that invited you to Bethany? Jackie and Mike have been a part of this congregation for a long time. She said, well, we moved back into Washington after it had been away for quite some time. We just didn't know the community anymore, and we wanted to find a church home that would be suitable for us. And so we visited nearly every church in the county, and uh, we walked into Bethany, and we have called it home ever since. Now, I know Mike and Jackie Weiskaver have been instrumental in inviting several families to this church who now call this church their home church. But I wonder if I would have ever met Jake and Steve and Dale and Tina, if it wasn't for that simple invite of Mike and Jackie. And it makes me wonder, too, a little bit further on a more spiritual level, a soul-winning level, if Steve or Tina would have ever been immersed into Jesus Christ. If not for the invitation, 
Mike and Jackie. So let's just not think that you're inviting someone to churches below you or too simple. It's one of the greatest acts of evangelism that you could achieve. Friends, you'll never reap a harvest if you never plant a seed. I want to encourage you today to invite someone back to this building with you, someone that God will lay on your heart, because what happens here in this room each and every Sunday has the power to change people's lives around. When the word of God is spoken, when Jesus Christ is proclaimed, when people understand that we have a loving God who has met our deepest need, the need for a Savior to cover our sins. People respond to that message. They're not responding to a preacher or to a church love or kindness. They're responding to Jesus, and that's whom we desire to lift up and to preach on a weekly basis. And I hope that God lays a focus on your life, someone who is in your mind right now that you know is disconnected from God but needs to be reunited with Him. Someone in your life that you can be intentional with. And what I want to look at today is how Jesus modeled his life for us. We're Christians, one who follows after Christ. And if you're a believer, it's, it's good to exemplify what Jesus Christ exemplified. It's good to live out what Jesus Christ lived out to be. Jesus looked for those in this world that he knew found that there was really no hope in this world. He looked for those that were in a position that dearly, direly, needed grace and forgiveness in their life. You may remember a few weeks ago, we studied in Luke 19 a peculiar figure by the name of Zacchaeus. We looked at it from an angle how Zacchaeus became very sacrificial to the Lord once he discovered that he could become a saint and put away his sinning ways because of the salvation of Jesus Christ. And it's Zacchaeus' life that was radically transformed Because Jesus had an encounter with him. Jesus invited Zacchaeus into his life. And it was just a simple invite. Zacchaeus, I'm going to go to your house today. Invite me in. And Zacchaeus said yes. And it changed his life forever. The power of an invitation. And in Luke chapter 19, verse 5, it tells us how Jesus met up with this, uh, this little guy. This guy that was a notorious sinner. A cheat, a tax collector of his day. It says in verse 5 of Luke 19, When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up. Now, I want you to know the simplicity of the text. Zacchaeus, because he was short in stature, he climbed a a tree to get a better perspective of Jesus because the crowds had huddled around Jesus. Anywhere Jesus went, there were were mobs around him. And so it's this parade-like environment. And Zacchaeus, to get a a better glare of who Jesus is, he decides to get a better vantage point. And that, of course, Jesus recognizes, and he sees this guy up in a tree, and he stops. He comes to the place where Zacchaeus is, and it stops, and what does it say? He, he looked. I think it's just that simple. He looked up at Zacchaeus, and he said, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I'm going to stay at your house today. Now, I don't think that many of us can get away with just walking up to a stranger and said, hey, I'm going to come over today. Is that all right? They're not going to be too open to that. But when you're Jesus, I think you have some things under control and you have a little bit more authority probably than than the rest of us do. So Zacchaeus was more than happy to open up his doors to him. Plus, Jesus didn't really have a home to invite Zacchaeus to. But you do. Not only do you have a physical residence, you have a church home to open up to and to say, why don't you come meet with me? And I invite you to come so that we together 
can meet and have an encounter with Jesus. Now, I want you to know that when Jesus and Zacchaeus met because of a simple invitation, that man's life, Zacchaeus' life was changed forever. The eternal destiny of Zacchaeus was changed forever because he let Jesus into his life. And in Luke chapter 19, in verse uh, verse 9, it says, Today salvation has come to this house. Zacchaeus was saved because of a simple invite. Jesus saying, can I come and meet with you? And I'm wondering in your life, how many Steve Bells there might be? Tina Harris's, Dale Harris's, Jake Robinette's. Whom through the power of a simple invite, you can change the course of eternal destiny. Don't underestimate the power of the invitation to be a part of something like worship and to be a part of something greater like the church. This is how Jesus lived his life. I mean, Jesus was on the lookout for people that were all around him. When, when Jesus was confronted by some rigid, religious leaders that had their nose up in the air as to why he would hang out with such a rebellious person and sinful man like Zacchaeus, here's what Jesus responded to them with. In, in, in Luke 19, verse 10, he says, The Son of Man came to, came to look or seek, look out for and to save people who are lost. Jesus just had his eyes open. For people that were disconnected, far removed from God. And he just didn't have his head buried in the sand, just concerned about his own business. He looked around and he noticed there were people all around him that were disconnected from God and who knew to be reunited. So here's what I'm asking today. Who in your world, who in your life, in your circle, in your family, is disconnected from God that you need to be looking out for? Just look around and see the people that are disconnected, far removed from God. Those are the ones that need to be invited into a place like this. They need to hear directly from you. There's got to be one out of thousands that needs to hear your voice say, join me for worship on Sunday. 90% of the time they're going to say, yeah, I will. This is how Jesus modeled his life. In Luke 15, you see a series of stories, a kind of a progression of rapid-fire succession, one right after the other. Jesus tells a story about a woman who lost a, a very valuable coin, and she looks all over the house until she finds it. Then he tells a story about a shepherd who loses a sheep, leaves the 99 in the open country, and goes after that one sheep because it's dear to him. Then he tells the story about a a father who loses a son because the son becomes a prodigal. He walks away and says, Dad, I want nothing more to do with you. And the father watches and waits for his child to return home. And with each story that Jesus tells in Luke 15, there is a progression of the stakes being raised from a coin to a sheep to a son that is priceless. And what Jesus is pressing on the point is, when someone is dear to us, when something is dear to us, we go looking for it. We're concerned about it. And we don't give up looking for it until we find it. Jesus is saying, aren't people worth that in your life? Aren't there people that are disconnected from God, like the prodigal was disconnected from the Father? And aren't they worth going after and searching for it for goodness sakes if you lost a hundred bucks you'd search every cushion and every single thing in your house to find it and jesus is saying aren't the souls of loved ones 
more important than the dollar and the sheep. See, he squarely puts the emphasis on how important it is to look out for those that are disconnected and far removed from God. I mean, Jesus' heart would break when he'd look at the thousands of people in front of him that had no concern for Christ in their life. In Matthew chapter 23, there's this heart-wrenching story how Jesus sits up on the hill and overlooks Jerusalem, the, the capital city of the Jews at the time, and he's, he's weeping for the people there. They're, they're like sheep without a shepherd, and his heart is just breaking because they're disconnected and far removed from God, and he wants them to return back to God and have the relationship restored. When I read that chapter, I can't help but wonder, when is the last time our hearts broke for those who are disconnected from God? When's the last time that you, you cried out to God because someone in your family or someone at your workplace or someone who you have seen and recognized is far removed from God? That was a good catch. That's a good catch. Hey, 17 years of baseball pays off. You see, Jesus understood that those that were disconnected were going to be bound for one of two places. He had an, an eternal mindset. This is what we've got to develop here at Bethany. An eternal mindset, not a temporal mindset. We can get so caught up in buildings and other junk that we forget that what's at stake. We forget what's at stake. We're not coming here just to feel good about ourselves. We're coming here because it... It, it is the power of those who believe Jesus Christ is being proclaimed in this place. It gives us an aspect to worship and praise His name. And it also gives us an evangelistic uh, feel so that we can proclaim Jesus Christ right here in one central place. And Jesus understood that at any moment, our last breath could be breathed out. Friends, we've got to understand that right now, at any moment, the trumpet could sound and Christ could return. Then what? Well, it doesn't matter if you die or Christ returns. We know that all of us are bound for judgment, sin or saint. Everyone in between, we're all bound for judgment by God. And then what are you going to say? I was good enough? Ain't going to cut it. I had my act together? No, you didn't. No one has. Billy Graham, Mother Teresa, any pope never had their act together. The only thing that's going to satisfy God is that you received his son, Jesus, and it is his blood, his sacrifice, that you have full assurance of salvation in. Not yourself, but our Savior, Jesus Christ. See, Jesus knew what was at stake. He looked at the crowds and he told the crowds, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. You see, no one comes to the Father except through me. I'm the bridge builder, Jesus says. I'm the one that's going to connect you to God. Friends, it makes me wonder that if we just keep our head in the sand and we're not looking out for those that are disconnected from God, how many people are going to miss that bridge? You see, you're the one that's handing out directions on how to find Jesus. You're not saving people. You're pointing people towards Jesus. And how simple is it to have a an invitation to say, why don't you come and join me and we're going to hear about Jesus together. We're going to experience the church together. We're going to marvel in God's grace together because Jesus is the way. He is the truth. He is the life. No one comes to the Father except for Jesus. Friends, you have no idea on how God might use you to bridge the gap to Jesus and so that one day you'll be ushering people in into eternity in heaven.
I also want you to think about when you invite somebody, not just to be looking for them, but to listen to those that are around you. We get so caught up in talking and making sure that our point's being made that we just don't become attentive to the words of people around us. Have you ever caught yourself in a conversation and you see the person's lips moving and you're saying, I can't wait till the end because I've got a good story to tell them. Oh, that's just me. Yeah, right. We all find ourselves in this position of saying, I wish this conversation would hurry up because I got something good to say. Or I wish this conversation would hurry up because I got someplace good to go. Jesus just sat around and listened. In John chapter 4, he had an encounter with a woman at this community well. Everyone was coming, drawing water from the well, taking it home. And there was this woman all by herself, and Jesus recognizes her. Now, this is in a day and age of history when women were mostly not respected by men. But Jesus shows a great deal of respect, and he talks to this woman. But more importantly, he listened to what this woman had to say. And he finds out that this woman has had all sorts of relationships in her life with men that were good to her and bad to her, marriages that were failed and incomplete, and she's with some guy now, and Jesus points it out and says, life's not together, is it? She says, no. Life's terrible for me. Jesus says, how would you like to have life eternal, good life? She wants that so badly. Life's a mess for her. And Jesus listens to her. And then Jesus says, you know, I'm the one that can bring you new life. But if Jesus were just to drive home a point, I got to get my word in edgewise. I got to tell her about my opinions. He would have never have heard her talk about how life was a mess for her. Friends, when we're open and attentive to our coworkers, our family, our spouses that are disconnected from God, we're going to hear what they're going through. And we can tell them about the God that will meet their needs in their moment. Andy Stanley, who is a preacher at North Point Community Church in Georgia, says there are at least three triggers that every Christian, when they hear these kinds of things, these trigger statements, they should immediately stop the conversation and invite them to church with them that next next Sunday morning. One of the trigger statements is, is this. I'm not prepared for this. If you hear... Someone say, I'm just not ready for this. I'm not prepared for what's to come in my life. Maybe they're talking about a child that's moving out, heading to college for the first time. Now it's the empty nest syndrome, and they're saying, I'm just not ready for this. I I, I forget what life was like with just my spouse and I in the same house. I I need my kids as a safety net here. Or maybe it's someone that's starting up a new job, or a work schedule's changed, or a student that's starting at a new school, or maybe their school schedule has changed. They're saying, I'm not ready for this. I, I don't know if I can handle that class. That teacher seems pretty tough. Anytime you hear someone say, I'm not ready for this, you invite them and you guide them towards a God that will take away the anxieties. The Bible says, cast your cares on Him, on on Christ. And the Bible says, He will care for you. He'll lessen your burden. Don't you want to introduce that person to the one that can bring peace, a peace that surpasses all understanding, so that they, even though they may not feel like they're prepared for it, can breathe in in peace and say my god will prepare me for what's to come or how about the say, say statement i'm not from here andy stanley says when you hear that statement you immediately invite someone to church that's someone saying I, I i don't connect i don't belong i don't feel comfortable here and as the smaller a town becomes people feel more of an outcast i've been here for 15 years and sometimes i don't always feel like i fit in 
And I think what most people do when they move to a new place, they feel like they have a new opportunity. If you've ever moved somewhere or started a new job, you say, I'm going to start fresh. I'm going to start new. And that's how someone feels when they move into a new community. They get to start fresh. And that means a new take on everything. Faith may not have been important to them before at their old town, but now that they moved in here, they know inherently they need to get right with God. And now you give them the opportunity to join a church or be a part of a faith-based community, they're going to probably say yeah to that. They want a fresh perspective on things. When someone says, I'm new here, they're saying, I don't belong. I don't feel like I connect. Now, so many of you, you, you've grown up here. You feel like you connect. You have your spot. People have known you since the third grade. They're telling stories on you about what you did in the seventh grade. But there are many that move in, and they're looking to connect. They don't have a place to belong. Friends, I don't know of a better place in any community, better to connect and feel like you belong than in the church. And you have the powerful invitation to invite someone who says, I'm new here, to start their faith up fresh, to reconnect with God, and to put them in a position where they can connect and feel like they belong. Here's the third trigger statement. If you hear someone say, things aren't going well for me, like you hear that three or four times a day, won't you, if you're in a work environment? Oh, things aren't going well for me. Money's tight. Marriage is on the rocks. Kids just aren't listening. You're going to hear it every day. It says that's the trigger to say, I know things aren't going well for you. Things don't always go well for me, but let me tell you what brings peace to my life. Let me tell you what brings hope for my tomorrow. It's Jesus Christ, and I want you to join me on Sunday, and we can hear about Christ together. It brings me so much peace to hear about Christ and all he's done for me. Things aren't going well for me. Maybe it's that coworker that's talked to you about his marriage and you hear this progression throughout the months. The marriage is on the rocks. They've separated and now they're filing for divorce. Guess what? Things aren't going well for that fellow. I think a guy like that probably needs to hear about Christ's forgiveness, Christ's unfailing love, Christ's reconciliation. Don't you think it would do wonders for that man to hear about those things? Or how about... How about someone that is going through a job layoff? You say, things aren't going well for me. Money's tight. I don't know if we're going to be able to make it through the week. We're, We're paycheck to paycheck. Don't you think someone like that needs to hear about how God will supply for all of our needs according to His glorious riches? Don't you think it's it's mindful of us to tell them about the God that will give us our daily bread? that we're more important than the flowers of the field, that we're more important than the birds that have nests. We're God's focus and His attention. Don't you think it would be wise to plug them into a, a group of people that will love that person and care for their needs and help them along even financially too? I can't think of any reason why we wouldn't offer an invitation to a place that would care for someone's needs that is in need. There are so many folks in our community 17,689 people. There's got to be one reason in your life to extend an invitation and invite them to savor on our Savior, Jesus Christ. So far, Jesus taught us to look and to, to listen. He also teaches us to love. Jesus modeled love time and time again, whether it was him stopping for Zacchaeus and just saying, my, my date book doesn't matter right now, or if it was 
was helping those that were disenfranchised and marginalized in the community and paying attention to them, the God of the world paying attention to the disenfranchised, or if it was forgiving the world's sins on the cross, he always showed us, he always showed us love. And I think the application that we can draw by looking at Jesus is this. If Jesus showed love to those he met, then we too ought to show love to the people that we meet as well. Friends, it's not always easy to show love to people. Some of you have some bosses in your life that are just ridiculous and repulsive and they don't treat you right and they don't treat the employees right and you're hearing a guy say, you need to love that person. Or maybe you have a neighbor and that neighbor, since the day you moved in, has never been happy and he's definitely never been happy with the way you've done things and you're your properties butt up to one another and you're just trying to get him to get his place in order and get some of the junk cleaned up out of the corner of his yard, but he's not going, it's not going to take with that guy. The more you budge in, the grumpier that guy gets. That's why Jesus had taught us to pray for our enemies and to pray for those who persecute us. You want to know what praying for your enemies and praying for those who persecute you does? it softens your heart towards them. You're not praying that they change. The prayer is that you change, that your attitude changes towards them. And so your boss that is totally unappreciative of your work and the rest of the employee's work or is repulsive to you because of the things he says or the the actions that, that she does, you begin to pray and your heart begins to soften for them. Or if that neighbor becomes malicious over time, you begin to pray and your heart becomes softened towards your neighbor so that you'll look upon them with compassion and understand with an eternal mindset that there's two destinations here. There's heaven or there's hell. And what we need to remember, and and we forget this, what we need to remember is our neighbor, that ridiculous boss, or those that we find hard to live with, they're not the enemy. They're victims of the enemy. The Bible says that Satan is prowling around like a roaring lion. He wants to bring chaos to Christ's causes. And I don't think we have to take a poll around here to figure out what the majority thinks. I think the majority of us believes that Satan has thrown this world out of control. I think there's some believers in here that understand that Satan is tempting and guiding the lives of people whom you love. And we need to be reminded that the people in our life that don't want to hear from us or don't want to hear about the invitation or don't want to hear about the hope we have, they're not our enemy. They're victims of the enemy Satan. You see, Jesus had taught this. Jesus had said, love one another as I have loved you. So you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you do what? If you love one another. So Jesus is saying, look, I want you to love. I just want you to get along. I want you to be united. I want you to do things that are kind to one another. Don't be malicious. Don't be angry with each other. Love one another. People are going to recognize love. But I want you to know what, what, Jesus, what Jesus calls Satan. Jesus calls Satan the thief, the thief. And he says it's the thief that comes to kill and steal and destroy. 
You can put it in modern terminology. Satan comes to kill our joy, steal our compassion from others, and destroy the relationship that God desires to have with us. He is not looking for your best interests. Friends, some of our family members, our co-workers, our friends, those we are acquaintances with, they're not on a path to heaven. They're victims of the enemy. And it's time that our heart begins to break. Like Jesus in Matthew 23. And understand how important it is to invite somebody to encounter Jesus like you have. Small acts of love can go a long way for people that don't know love very often. Maybe there's a way that you can help your neighbor. Maybe there is. It might be unexpected by your neighbor, but it's needed. And you may feel uncomfortable in helping your neighbor, but you know it's right. Because oftentimes it's acts of love which give you a voice so that that neighbor will listen to your invitation. Maybe there is a way that you can show acts of kindness to your boss that is repulsive. Because it's acts of love that people respond to. They may not listen to you talk about Jesus, but they'll certainly listen to you when you show them some love. Friends, this is not about forcing your faith down someone's throat. This is about a simple invitation that could change their life around. Just asking them to come to church with you so that they can hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. My grandmother, Ruth, she'd open up this huge bottle of castor oil and she'd get a spoonful of it every single day. And at the pull of the drawer and the rattling of the silverware, her two dogs, Sparkies and Cuddles, (laughs) would just go nuts. And they would dive all around the house. Sometimes they'd hide behind the recliner, sometimes in the bathtub. But wherever she was, they were not going to be because they knew what was about to happen. You see, someone had convinced my grandma years ago that if you'd give your dogs a spoonful of castor oil, it'd make their teeth shine, it'd make their fur perfect, and it'd give their dogs longer life. So there was a morning wrestling match nearly every morning of castor oil trying to be poured down their poor little doggy throats. And they hated it. And then one day during the battle royale, Sparky or Cuddles had just the perfect sideways kick and knocked that castor oil right out of her hand. It went splattering on the floor and she was just furious. She saw it just pouring all over the floor. She let the dogs go, went to go get a towel, came back to mop it up, and that's when she had the shock of her life. Those two dumb dogs were out there licking up that oil. And their tails were just wagging, and they were just so happy to lick it all up. She realized they didn't hate the castor oil. They hated it being forced down their throat. And as we think about people to invite to a church service, the goal is not to force your opinion on people or to say, oh, you're going through a divorce. You know the Lord hates divorce, don't you? 
or to tell your neighbor to buzz off like he just told you to do. The goal is through acts of kindness, earning a right to be heard. And for those that are already in a position that are listening to your voice, to extend an invitation. Because you have no idea in your life how many Mike and Jackie Westcavers there might be, Dale and Tina Harris's there might be, Steve Bell's there might be, or Jake Robinette's. And your simple invite to encounter Jesus Christ might just usher them in to eternity in heaven. So who this week do you need to be looking for that's been disconnected from God and needs to be reunited? Who do you need to be listening to for some of those buzzwords? Things aren't going well in my life. Who do you need to show love to? And demonstrate Jesus Christ to this week. As you think about that, let me take a moment and just pray. Father, we're asking that you will lay people on our heart that we know just need to hear from us. Need a simple invite. An invite to a Christmas service or Christmas Eve service or just an invite to a church service. And Father, we thank you for the people that invited us. I mean, nearly all of us are here because someone invited us. They took a risk. Father, give us confidence. Confidence in you. Confidence in your grace and in your forgiveness. May we relax, just relax with what's going on right now, knowing that it's not our job to save people. That's your job. And you do pretty good at it. May we be reminded and just relax in knowing we're just trying to build bridges to get people to hear the message. So lay on our hearts the people in our life, family, friends, co-workers, acquaintances. One person, one reason that we should walk out of here today and invite them to come with us next Sunday. You're good to us, God. You love us, Lord. We thank you and praise you for it in the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, today you may be here as someone that has been invited to sit here. And and you're wondering what all this fuss is about. Why would we spend 30 minutes on talking about the importance of an invitation to church? Here's the importance. God is very real. Only God can make the complexity of the human body. Only God could scatter the stars and make the complexity of the universe that we're still finding out about. God has made you and me. And somewhere along the journey of history, blame Adam and Eve, there's been sin. And you and I, we're all guilty of repeating the pattern. But Jesus came along. God's son who saw fit and loved us enough that he would come out of the heavens 
be born in a miraculous way in Bethlehem. Lie in the security of the arms of a mother named Mary. Go through the struggles and pains and torment that all this world has to offer like you have. And instead of sinning like we have, has stayed pure and righteous like he always has. And then he went to a cross. Not because he had to. You see, he wasn't guilty of the crimes that they were accusing him of. We were. And as he went to the cross, he had you and he had me in mind. So that we would one day respond to this invitation to receive him as Lord and Savior, having our sins forgiven so that you can have a fresh start so that those who have been disconnected can be reunited with God like originally intended from the beginning of time. And if you want your sins forgiven today, if you want to reunite with God and know that He's not angry at you, but in love with you, I want to talk to you more about it. Maybe you want to be baptized into Christ and walk out of here today with a fresh start, walking in a new life. I want to meet with you just right over here by these doors. But let's stand together and sing. Let's give people a chance to respond this morning.